You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Right, so uh, we are going to jump straight into Matthew uh, chapter 6. So we're continuing on our series here in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be doing Matthew 6 verses 19 to the end of the chapter, which is 34. So I'm going to read it out. Feel free to follow it uh, with me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Oh, Father, what a... What a privilege it is to to meet together as a church so openly. What a privilege it is to have your word, the full revelation of your truth, so accessible and, and to be able to look at it together this morning. I just praise you for that. And I pray that you would speak to us through this passage this morning and we would take steps to forward in our relationship with you and understand more of what it means to be a disciple. In the name of Jesus. Amen. John Wesley was an 18th century preacher, and he was a founder of the Methodist movement. There's still Methodist churches that uh, exist today. And, uh, and one day he was away from his home, and uh, he was traveling somewhere, and somebody came up to him running, completely out of breath, exasperated. And, and this guy said to John, he said, John, your, your house is burnt down. It's completely burnt to the ground. And uh, John Wesley, he calmly replied and said, 
No, it hasn't. Because I don't own a house. The one that I've been living in belongs to the Lord. And if it's burnt down, that's one less responsibility for me to worry about. (laughs) Now, I can tell you straight up, like, if my house, I mean, I don't even have a house, I've got a flat. If that burned down, then I'd probably be on the floor crying, screaming. <laughs> like, that, that would not be my reaction. But what a radical way. You know, he, was, he said, look, I don't, I don't own that house. It belongs to the Lord. And you see, over the last uh, nine weeks, this is week nine, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and this is really a part of, of the Gospel of Matthew that looks at discipleship. It's a manual on what it means to be a disciple. And the way we've been talking about it is a disciple is someone who follows Jesus Christ and strives to emulate, copy him in every way. And you see, John Wesley, he, he was a disciple of Christ. And, and he genuinely believed that all his resources, including his house, belonged to God. And if we call ourselves disciples, of Jesus Christ, then we too would see everything that we have, all the resources we have, they belong to God. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about two things. Uh, The first is treasures, this concept of treasures that Jesus talks about in this passage. Uh, And treasures are the things that accumulate from our use of time and money. Things that accumulate from our use of time and money. So that's the first thing we're going to be talking about. And the second thing is the implications of where we store our treasures on worry. And we're going to see that those are very closely connected. It's all part of the same passage. So why is this important? You know, why does Jesus talk about this at all? John Calvin said this, Man's nature is a perpetual factory of idols. We're idol-making machines. We constantly do it, don't we? And an idol is, is something or anything that replaces the one true God in our lives. And, and Jesus knew that, of course, he was God. And, and the things we do with our time and, and our money can so easily become a replacement for what God is supposed to be in our lives. And that's why Jesus is addressing it in this passage. So we're going to talk about treasures first, verses 19 to, to 24. And if there's one thing you take away from this this morning, it, let it be this. Make sure you're investing in things that last. Make sure you're investing in things that last. So verses uh, 19 and 20, I'm going to read them out again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So treasure, the things we accumulate from our use of time and money. And the fact of the matter is this, you know, we, we have limited resources. We've got limited time and we've got limited money. And so we've got a choice. And Jesus is saying here, look, there's two choices. You can either uh, put those things and invest them on, on, in, in these treasures on earth, or you can invest them in treasures in heaven. Those are, the, those are the only two choices we have. And the first thing he says is, do not store them, do not store up treasures on earth. And why does he say that? Well, very simply, he's using the analogy, he's, he's talking about, you know, um, moth, rust, and thieves stealing. The bottom line is, these things do not last. Treasures on earth do not last. They are not eternal. Uh, they, they won't last our lifetime. They might not even last next year or even next week, these treasures on earth. 
And uh, you know, I was reminded of that uh, recently. We, we moved to Ealing, uh, Hannah, my, my wife and I. And uh, yeah, we, we, we got this flat, new flat. Well, no, it wasn't a new flat. It was actually a, a, you know, pretty run down. And we had to do some work on it uh, before we moved in. And uh, a few weeks in, you know, we were excited about moving into this place. And, uh, and someone broke in. Someone smashed down the door and ripped part of the, the wall off. And, uh, and it was just kind of a bit of a wake-up call around, like, look, this don't, don't let your heart get caught up in these things, you know. It's such a great gift. You know, God gives good gifts to us to enjoy. And we're not saying, you know, Jesus isn't saying, you know, don't enjoy the gifts that he gives you, but just don't let your heart get caught up with them because they don't last, whatever they are. So that's the first thing. Do not store up treasures on earth. And the second thing Jesus says is, but store up for yourselves or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because these things, treasures in heaven, they last forever. No one can steal them. Moth, rust, can't touch treasures in heaven. Craig L. Blomberg is a, um, is a theologian, and he says this about spiritual treasure. Spiritual treasure is everything that believers can take with them beyond the grave. Holiness of character, obedience to all of God's commandments, souls won for Christ, and disciples nurtured in the faith. Those are treasures in heaven. And guys, this is, this is the reason we, as disciples of Jesus, are here on earth. It is to store up those things. Holiness, to, holiness of character. You know, we want to emulate Jesus' character. He was perfectly holy. Obedience to all of God's commands. Souls won for Christ. Sharing the gospel, the good news with others who do not know God. And disciples nurtured in the faith. Those are treasures in heaven, and those are the things we need to be storing up. And one day, you know, we're going to meet God face to face. That's what the Bible says. We're going to meet him, and we're going to have to give an account for what we've done in this life. You know, how have we spent this life? You know, how, have we stored up things for our own pleasure um, that just don't last? Or have we invested in, in the kingdom of God? The first time I ever came to London, uh, I think I was 12, and I, and I came here with my parents and uh, we visited a, uh, an Egyptian exhibition. Uh, it was basically where they had like Tutankhamen, all the treasure. I don't know if you guys ever, ever went there. Um, it was over 10 years ago. And I remember learning about mummification. Uh, this process, you know, where they you know, wrapped, wrapped up the, the dead bodies. I'm sure we've all played that, uh, that game, you know, with the toilet paper. And who can wrap up uh, uh, people quick enough. Um, well... I can tell you this, they didn't actually wrap people up in toilet paper, the ancient Egyptians. Um, so sorry if that's a news flash. But um, along with that whole process, what they did is they buried the, the bodies with treasure. All the, all the treasured possessions, you know, jewelry, you know, clothes, the fine things they had, they buried them with them because they truly believed that they could take all those things to the next life. And we know that's not true. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. So basically, you know, you can't take anything with you, as we've just said. Treasures on, on earth do not last. But sometimes, you know, I think we live in a way which looks like we actually believe that we can bring these things with us. You know, our use of time, our use of money... You know, would we really spend our resources in the areas that we are if we truly believed those things don't last? So what determines whether we are storing up 
treasures on earth versus heaven. It's back to the heart. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about chapter 6, you know, prayer, fasting, giving, and it keeps coming back to the heart. You know, don't just do things for the show of it. You know, do it because you, you truly want to honor God, and it's, and it's about the heart. So, you know, when you pray, lock the door. Don't, don't let anyone see you praying. It's not about that. And it's the same with treasure. It comes back to the heart. That's the driving force behind whether we invest on, on earth or in heaven. And verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Isn't that such a powerful verse? You know, where, where our desires are, that's, that's our heart. That's where we're going to start building up those treasures. D.A. Carson puts it really well. He's another theologian. He says, The things we treasure actually govern our lives. What we value tugs at our minds and emotions. It consumes our time with planning, daydreaming, and effort to achieve. You know, what's consuming our minds? You know, what are we thinking about all all day long? You know, what tugs at our um, emotions? What are we daydreaming about? What are we putting our maximum effort into? That's a real indication of where our treasure is. And you know, over the past few months, you know, I, I personally, I, um, I went into a new role at work, um, a completely different role, uh, you know, something I've never done before. And uh, before I knew it, I was just spending more and more time at work. I was, I was working harder than I ever have. And uh, pretty, pretty soon, after a few weeks, pretty much everything started revolving in my life around work. You know, when I wasn't at work, in the morning, I was, I was thinking about work. When, I was, when it was in, in the evening, you know, I was spending time with my wife or, or, or friends. You know, I was thinking about work constantly. In the, on the weekends, you know, I was dreaming about work. You know, I realized, like, this, this had started to become uh, an idol for me in my life. It sort of replaced the things that, that God, um, that God should, have, should have been in my life. I was storing up treasures on earth through work. And look, we, we need to work hard. You know, the Bible says, you know, whatever you do, work with all your hearts and work as if unto the Lord. And often we tell ourselves, oh, you know, I'm working for my family or I'm working for God. But deep down, we're, we're really trying to be, build our own kingdom. We're trying to store treasures on earth. And I realized that and I had to, I had to change, change my way. You know, I talked about it with my wife. I talked about it with, with a couple of brothers here, actually. It was really helpful. And um, I had to had to had to change, had to put boundaries when it came to work. But it's so easy to, to just be building up those treasures on earth. And Jesus says, do not do that. So we've talked about treasures, and now let's talk about worry in this passage, verses 25 to 34. It follows on from that section. This is all, again, it's all part of the same passage here. And it says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I read a fact as well this week uh, about fog, and I I was pretty, I was, you know, pretty, pretty impressed. Um, And it's this, a dense fog, extensive enough to cover half a mile a hundred feet deep is composed of less than one glass of water. So literally, look at that. That's more than one glass of water. I'm actually quite thirsty. Um, that's less than one glass of water. 
That could cover half a mile of thick fog, okay? And, and so in, in, the right, um, in the right form, you know, water vapor, like a few buckets of water could cover an entire city. That's pretty crazy, and, and that's, that's kind of like worry. You know, worry can be this little thing, could be a little niggling thing that just dominates our life. It starts to cripple us, our, our mind, our emotions, and we all experience it, don't we? We all experience concerns and worries. And this is so challenging because Jesus says, do not worry, do not be anxious. And uh, he uses the analogy of nature. He says, look at the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. You know, God takes care of all these things. And, and if we're more valuable than they are, because we're made in the image of God, as we, as we, as we discovered in Genesis, uh, the Genesis series, we're made in his image and therefore, why do we think that God will not take care of us if he takes care of those lesser things? So why do we worry? Well, there's many different reasons. And, and look, you know, I want to be, I'm conscious of, I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. I don't know the worries and the concerns that you have. And there's a lot of different reasons why we worry. But Jesus is saying this, and this is the, the bottom line here. The more we store up treasures on earth, the more we will worry. Because when we store up treasures on earth, it becomes about us. We are the ones in control. We're building our little kingdoms. God isn't in the picture. And therefore, the buck stops with us. But when we store up treasures in heaven, the less we will worry. Because we actually submit ourselves to God's plan. He is sovereign over our lives. He is the one in control. The more we recognize that, the less we will worry. That's what Jesus is saying here. R.T. France, who is another, he wrote a commentary uh, on, on Matthew, said this, these verses call the disciple to an undistracted pursuit of his true goal, to which lesser, though legitimate, concerns must give way. And they assure him that if he will put first things first, God will take care of the rest. You see, the solution isn't just not to care like, I don't know if anyone's told you, like, oh, you, know, you, you share a worry with them, and they're just, oh, don't worry about that. You know, like, I lost my wallet, I just don't worry, about, or I lost my job. Like, you can't just not worry about it, because your desires, you know, your concerns are, are, are led by your heart. So that's not the solution here. The solution here is give your worries to the one who actually can do something about it, because we cannot. We can't. And, and I love the verses in, in Philippians 4, uh, 6 to 7, says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is the right response to worry. And Jesus, he recognizes that it will come at the, end of the, at the end of this passage, verse 34 in Matthew. He says, tomorrow we'll have trouble. So he's not saying we won't have trouble, but he's saying submit it to him. So at the, towards uh, the end of this passage in verse 33, uh, there's another command here from Jesus. He says this. After all that, talked about, he's talked about treasure, he's talked about worry. And he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do we seek first the kingdom of God? 
And actually, that's another way of saying, you know, storing treasures, treasures in heaven. When we store treasures in heaven, we are seeking first the kingdom of God. So how do we do that? What does that look like? There's a lot of different ways, but I'm just going to pick out three this morning for us. The first way I would suggest is, in terms of seeking first the kingdom of God, is serve the church. Serve the church. You see, the church is the vehicle that God uses to reach the world with his message of the gospel. The gospel that Jesus has paid for our sins and has reconciled us back to God and that we can have a relationship with him. The church is that vehicle. And so serving the church builds the kingdom of God. How do you spend your time? Is it, is it serving a church or is it mainly focused on on other things, building your own kingdom. And there are lots of ways you can serve the church, and we've got a lot of teams here, and, and, and such a great way to just invest in our future eternity with Jesus. You know, that, those treasures are going to last forever. So that's number one, serve the church. Secondly, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? Be generous. A radical disciple recognizes that all things belong to God. Remember John Wesley, he recognized all things belong to God. Everything we have, all the money, all the time we have, ultimately, we're just custodians of it. God's given us, given us these things while we're on earth. Uh, a guy called Peter Drucker, who is a management guru and author, he once said this, tell me what you value and I might believe you. But show me your calendar and your bank statement, and I'll show you what you really value. So what are, what are we spending our, our money on? You know, what are we spending our money on? That's a real indication of where our heart is. You know, are you using your money in a way that invests into people? Because people will last forever. You know, we, we have eternity in our hearts. Are you using it to build the church? You know, do you give to the church? You know, Jess mentioned this morning, you know, what a great opportunity to, to invest in the kingdom by giving back our, some of our money to God. And I really encourage you, you know, it's easy to kind of walk away from, from a time like this and, and just think, okay, no, that, I want to do that, but then you just kick the can down the road and it never happens. But I really encourage you, you know, why not talk to somebody about how you use your money? You know, if you're married, you know, why not talk to your spouse? How can we use our money in a way that serves the kingdom, that invests in the, in the kingdom of God. If you're, if you're not married, then why, why not uh, meet up with a trusted friend, someone whose opinion you really respect, who knows, a, you know, is, is a good example for you about managing money. You know, why, not, why not do that? So we've talked about serving the church, being generous with our money, and then thirdly, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? Put your faith in Jesus. You see, a disciple of Jesus has God as first place in their heart. And this is the most important thing you could do today. It's, honestly, it's more important than those other two points. It's the most important thing. Put your faith in Jesus. And you know, if you call yourself a, a disciple of Jesus this morning, then maybe, you know, you're thinking, well, I, I'm not sure if I'm investing treasures in heaven. I care too much about you know, these, 
these temporal things, these things that won't last. That's where I'm spending my money, my time. You know, perhaps you need to reassess the, the way you're living your life. And it starts with literally, look, God, I, I want to serve your kingdom first. I want you as first place in my heart. So help me each day. Every decision I have, just help me be obedient to you. That's what putting your faith in Jesus looks like and then, and then walking it out. And if you don't call yourself a disciple this morning, you don't even know what a disciple is or you know, what we're talking about, then I just, I just want you to know this, that Jesus wants a relationship with you. you know, he knows you intimately. He loves you. He died for you. That beautiful passage in, in Philippians that Pete read out earlier, you know, that he died on the cross for you and he wants to... To, he wants you to know him. And, and that's when you'll really experience true life beyond all the material things, all the things that we wrap ourselves up with on earth that just don't give us satisfaction. He wants you to know a life that is, that is more than that. And in John 10.10, it says this. This is Jesus speaking again. It says, I've come that they may have life. That's us. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, the result of seeking the kingdom first is that you will experience life to the full, life as it's supposed to be lived. We're not supposed to live life without Jesus, without our Creator. There's another, another phrase that's often spoken. In fact, one of my colleagues a couple of weeks ago, he, he said this to me. He said, Oh, nobody on their deathbed has ever said, I wish I spent more time at the office. Has anyone ever heard that one? You see, what they're really saying is, I wish I spent my time on the things that really mattered. You know, that's our heart cry as well. Let's spend our time on earth and our money on the things that really matter. And let's make sure that we're putting our faith, our time, and our money in the things that will last forever. Amen.